Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast Do a little faster. Yeah. You still got it. <laughs> it's your girl Shanti and it's Antoinette and we are Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. Join us as we share our unique life experiences, aka tell all our business and explore both the profound and the profane because duality, duality is, is a thing. thing. Yes. Hi. How's everything? Everything is everything. And what will be, will be. Hallelujah. It's November 10th. We are moving into the busiest season for me. Um, Holidays are coming up. And I have, um, Disabled Collective has a pop-up at Love Park that I'm getting geared up for. There's training. There's just so many moving pieces and I'm trying to pace myself and I'm trying to practice excitement rather than anxiety. They say that anxiety is um, is like the perverse version of excitement. It's like a form. It's like a, a, a what would you call that? A, um, a texture of excitement texture that's not the right word Mm. I don't know the word that I'm looking for but that's what I've been trying to lead into I've been listening to Michael Singer Michael Singer Mm. is um the author of Untethered Soul which was a alternative lifestyle spiritual hit of the 90s if you will (laughs) and um he has a podcast and He's very, you know, this is how he talks and he's just like, you know, he talks about I love how podcasts like that. Oh, he's and he's so <laughs> he's he's just amazing. I love the he's talking about really high shit. But what he's basically talking about is how we are all suffering or we all surrender or cre- rather we create suffering by believing everything that our heart and our head says to us. And we create these stories and the brain is a machine that is meant to manage logistics and to keep you safe but if it's not 
observed and not checked, the brain's tendency to want to keep you safe and keep you secure can carry you into worry, lamenting about the past, freaking out about the future, just not being in the present. And he was like, you know, rather than freaking out about the future, you know, you could be excited. You could be like, oh man, I have so many things to learn and, and, and experience in my life. And, and I'm trying to tap into that. You know, there's so many unrealized opportunities and experiences and lessons to be learned, both that could be um, perceived as good as or bad. But if you engage with your life with excitement and anticipation worth rather than dread and worry and like this immediate for me this immediate emotion of like shame then I think it's a different Mm. thing so that's what I'm going into a a busy season lots of moving pieces lots of unknown parts lots of uncertainty but I feel like I'm I want to feel excited about it versus scared to death so y'all should check out his um podcast as well What's that's called? that tracy ellis ross quote i love i'm trying to let the space between where i am and where i want to be excite me instead of terrify me G- come on that's it exactly and i i love when she, she said that on a in, during an interview and i was like that's it that's, that's that it. that is exactly what it is as much as we talk about possibility on this podcast, we'd be like, there's no possibilities, fear only. Huh? Yeah, it's terror. It's <laughs> it's failure. It's mm-hmm. rather than like the idea that there's experiences that I can't even imagine. I can't even, even in my best imagination, I can't conceive of what they are that could be ahead of me, that are ahead of me, just as like, it's exciting. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, yep, that's what's happened over here. Uh, more details about that pop up and things ahead um, in the next episode. I saw that the Holiday Bazaar was um, announced, Renee Blewett's Holiday Bazaar, and I saw the Sable Collective. She on got there. a lineup, and I'll talk about that next episode as well. Next she, week. She got I, heavy. She, a, she, she went from like. I saw. 10 to 100 i said we'll level up let's go did she take over a whole mall somewhere like lady she's been working renee. behind the scenes jesus follow she did that or renee blew it i don't know her exact handles and i apologize mm. for inviting you guys to do that and not having it together she would pull never, it up child take your time do such a thing um yeah, I am Renee Blewett, B-L-U-I-T-T. See all the things she got going on. The girl be working, child. Child. Working. We need to have like a buzzer or like a little. Remember when we used to talk about we need a bell every time we mention Beyonce? Mm-hmm. We need to have a bell every time we mention Renee. It's true. We do she it is our Beyonce often. right now. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Real life Beyonce. <sighs> um, yeah, so speaking, I, I don't know how to get into this. I um. <sighs> I found myself feeling very protective over you mm-hmm. this past week. Um, I was really happy to see there there was just something that happened um that doesn't even it's not even worth discussing, if I'm being completely honest. And I wanted to pop off on here, but the sound minds of our elders, shout out to 
them. They know who they are. Hit Shanti up and said, you know what, sweetie? Mm-mm. You carry this like Beyonce would and tell your friends to do the same because she knows that we're raggedy and childish. And, you know, my immediate my my immediate reaction to anybody trying to come for you is fight. It's like to the death fight. Mm. And I was so happy to be met with that same energy from the rest of our friend group, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. I was shocked at how vocal one of them were. And I was like, oh, calling me three, four times throughout my work day. And I had to step away as she screamed on the other line. I was just like, okay, girl. Talking about, should I do something? I said, maybe not you. Maybe you let the goons handle it. But maybe you need to be silent. But I think um, as I sat back, though, and I, I really thought about it for you, I was really imp- I'm I am really impressed with your ability to to let go in so many ways to, to have someone say things about you that are untrue, misleading, and probably really hurtful, um, has to be really hard. And I don't know if I am built the same way as you, where you have literally just handled it with true grace, true grace. And like, and just continued forward and continued 10 toes down in your mission and vision for yourself and for your business and still has not said one bad thing about this person that I want to blast. And I am just so, I I was very frustrated with you. Mm. I was frustrated with you. And now I'm mad at you that you ain't mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I was just like, (laughs) I am furious. I'm ready to go to war. And you are like, that's a shame. I just, why? It's just a phone call. I just don't get it. And I was like, you know what? This passive shit with Shanti. But I also see that um, it's how you it's how you carry yourself. It's how you choose to carry out. Um, it's how you choose to carry out a lot of um, confrontation and conflict. Is this still grace and there's still love? And it's a really beautiful thing. Except with me when you get drunk. But I want to, something that came to mind for me was like, when you when we go to people like a Renee Blewett, right, who is someone that we admire, someone who we're seeking out mentorship, um, and 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 if that relationship was to sour and they were to cut you down, that's really hurtful. And so as we get older, I'm thinking about how important mentorship is, even though I feel like we're know-nothings a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's still really important. Like when people reach out to us, shout out to Shaniqua, who's like, I want to, I don't even know if we are older than her, but I want to intern. I want to learn. I want to this. Like we need to make time and space for that mm-hmm. because that's sacred and really necessary. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about when we talk about community. And something else I thought about that I reflected on is like, it, it brought me back to the 48 laws of power. And though I'll never forget reading this. And, and one of the laws was never outshine the master. Mm-hmm. And so it goes on to say, always make those above you feel comfortably superior in your desire to please or impress them. Do not go too far in displaying your talents or you might accomplish the opposite. 
You might inspire fear and insecurity. Make your masters appear more brilliant than they are, and you will attain the heights of power. And that is not something that I excel at. It's also something that I want to dismantle, Mm. like in my body that feels wrong. Mm. But unfortunately, oftentimes, even if you are outshining them, you have to position it in a way where their egos are stroked and intact. And and you see people do it all the time in interviews. You see, like, when you see these other established celebrity folks or whomever do this, they, they are always giving homage or whatever it is, you know, to make sure that folks stay, um, what is the word? Stay content with, yeah, with, with within their contribution to your success. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's something for us to think about. And I'm still figuring out how to, if I want to really apply that, if we should apply it and how we dismantle it. But I think that in, in a case with you, as you move forward and as your light continues to shine bright, as the revolts see you, as the Van Lathans love you, as the Renee Blewett's got your back, um, you're going to have to keep that in mind because your Van said this to me and he said, Shanti is someone that you can't root against. She's so rootable. He didn't say likable. He said rootable. You want to see her. You just want to see her win. Like her energetically. And he was like, you, it's intangible what she has, where she just is herself. It's authentic. And you're like, yo, she, she deserves. Mm. And that's going to be hard for folks who feel like they also deserve, Mm -hmm. but they don't have that intangible thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And we on this podcast give grace for that. But telling lies and spewing hate and trying to fuck up people's stuff, I can't get down with that. So, you know, when y'all dealing with my best friend, keep it cute or keep her fucking name out your mouth. That's how I feel. That's all I'm going to say. You you got me on a leash with this one and I'll respect the leash. But I I will say that this has been such a level of... um, it's been such a lesson for me and the people that do ride for me and have reached out and have affirmed in the protective energy that it was it's such a it's such a lesson of how that is a bomb and how that does build somebody up when they are hurt and the ways in which I haven't I have because because I guess I can roll with the punches or I'm not I'm not I don't get as upset in the ways that you do. I I project that onto you if people come at you or, you know, and it's like, oh, well, girl, just that. ain't you know, it ain't real. Fuck them. Da, 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 da. But I really feel like, oh, actually, that is that is the the protective energy, the protective mean, energy. Yeah. And it's yeah. less of, and it's less about you coming at them. But it's about what you're doing for me and the ways exactly. that I didn't do that. I really see and completely understand and apologize that I that I wasn't always natural or didn't make sense to me. But it's like, oh, it's not even about them. 
It's about this other person and what they need. They don't necessarily need you to hug them, say it'll be okay. There's another way that you can do that as well. Um, that Girl, you Khaleesi, we the unsullied. You know what I mean, <laughs> we out here. That goddamn thing. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> another time, another place, it'll be addressed. But right now, I'm, I'm just going to just follow Beyonce's uh, lead with there this one until, until, until further further till till shit changes but um thank you thank you ladies and gentlemen and non-binary kings and queens and royalty we received such lovely reviews after the last couple of weeks i think that was mostly because shaolin shanti has (sighs) been on one lately you know what it is i realize it's single shanti (laughs) Single Shanti don't have to watch what she say no more. (laughs) You're not self-editing. You like, we out here, girl. So y'all are getting what I get behind the scenes. So you can understand why this friendship works. Because this girl is hilarious. Watching, just being around you sometimes, I'm like, you are not a real person. And not in the same way that Meek Mill isn't a real person. Because he's just ridiculous. But kind of the same. But you're ridiculous in like an elevated kind of aware way. And it's it's such a pleasure uh, to experience and be around. Welcome to Around the Way Curls, y'all. The range. Listen. But I think I need your balance. Like it wouldn't work unless you were on the other line like Shanti. Or like <laughs> you cackling or you folding or you setting the layup and your earnestness for me to be like, well, wait a minute. So shout out to Duality. <laughs> Um, but please, y'all, please continue to rate, review, subscribe, and share these. I don't know if you're able to see what people write on the Spotify. Spotify stepping this game up. I watched a whole podcast on the Spotify app. Watched it. They have a video component on their thing. I don't know how it works, but I'm about to hit Mandy up and ask her to try to figure this shit out. You can watch podcasts on there. Like really? it's YouTube. Yes. And you can rate and have and comment about every episode like the particular episode not just the show oh it they're really trying to battle apple i don't know if it's working but i do see the spotify listens and numbers go up i see that more people are listening on spotify and it might be because of those new features but it's really cool i can hear you typing um i'm looking for but yeah (laughs) that type 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 in my ear Shanti, uh, not Shanti, shout out to Monty because he takes it out of the audio and I hear that he does that. Good job by you. But also on Patreon, we've we've gotten a lot of new patrons. And I, again, I attribute that to Shanti shenanigans. And Antoinette's editing skills. Oh, for the clips. Mm -hmm. Baby. Unless you were up there slicing and dicing, chopping and screwing it, girl. And I need people to know that what you see on the clip is definitely sliced and diced. Like you're not getting the full spectrum of what this girl is doing on here. Like that <laughs> Star Spangled Banner conversation was 15 that minutes. That was so terrible. You Internet rewatched made that. me watch it back yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I was really, I was dr- tipsy. And when I got a certain place, Internet was like, oh, okay, Shanti's. Yeah, as soon as you was about to cut up, I said, oh, let me save you, girl. You about to get canceled. All right, bye, everybody. (laughs) 
You want to shout out the new patrons, sis? Yeah, shout out to Mel, Kiki, Asia, Mia, Aaron, Bintu, Rashida, Christy, Lashanti, okay, half name, Jeffrey, and Renee. I want to also give a special shout out. This person is not a patron, but she is a faithful listener, and she is a friend of my childhood friend, Sahaitu. Kaula, congratulations on your recent in marriage to Kurt. Oh, Shout out to Kaula and Kurt in Hawaii, on, where I was born. Boop, boop, boop. Any chance I get to mention that, I will. So thanks for that layup. And I wish mm-hmm. you guys the best. And Sahaitu loves you. I love Sahaitu, by the way. Sahaitu. Sahaitu was another Sahaitu's one that called real me. Like, one. So you and Sahaitu like, are so f- similar energetically sahaitu is the actually uncensored version of you well i sahaitu called me she was like i can't fight but i will fight (laughs) and i said that's the energy i love it sahaitu i love her i've always loved her but her energy she's got that ride ride or die energy her commitment to um quality control type a preparedness is like yours but she will curse people out the way that you hide this in sahaitu is the type of boss that'll come in here like what the fuck is this (laughs) didn't i tell you sahaitu would curse me out when i started the sable collective (laughs) repeatedly what the fuck is going on here i just watched the devil wears prada that's the high two yeah (laughs) but she's not as restrained and controlled as her either because she was real cutthroat so high two is like off the wall unrestrained she's like dame dash she's like dame dash She is like you caught a fucking meeting in here yeah. with Jay without yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, that's the high Fuck two. You. <laughs> yeah, but uh, super type A though. This is how I want it done. I told you how I want it done. Why the fuck isn't it done? So she's who you hide yourself from being, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because that is what I'm saying in my head. But I'm like, walk me through your process. Yeah. <laughs> really, I want to say you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, God. What is wrong with you? But instead, it's help, walk me through your process. Let me let, let help me understand how you arrived here. Shout out to both of y'all. Shout out it's to a special you skill. If you uh, want to join our Patreon um, again to see these visuals, to see this podcast in person, please do consider a subscription five, seven or ten dollars. We have not changed our rate because of inflation and we are not real do ones. It. So you said we're not going to do it. Oh, oh. If we start giving what? extra content, wild that's my... is while it is. Get it, catch it while you can. Get grandfathered we, in, maybe. Listen, all <laughs> we do it are, are these um these uh what we call we don't call them town halls anymore. Around the way curls kickback, which we are, need to do another one. We need to do another one. Um, but if we start giving extra extra content, child, it she might be the price, go, the price went up. Let them know. It the might, price it went might up. be five fifty, y'all. Five seventy nine. Okay. Five ninety nine. <laughs> Can you? Will you? Will you sing? But from your um. See there she go. Root she, chakra. Will you sing from your <laughs> pelvic wall? Really belt it out and feel it, Shanti. Call your ancestors in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I feel scared now. 
After these messages, we'll be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Boop. And we're back. Hot shit. Mm, I'm going down. Okay. <clears throat> I am so excited about this film. I should have looked up when it comes out. I believe it's November 29th on Netflix. Y'all, American Symphony is a documentary that's going to follow John Batiste and his wife, Sulaika. I forget her last name. Apologies. John Batiste. I knew John when I was working at a jazz club for many years, John was still in school. He would come in and get on everybody's nerves because he would come in super late and jam out because he was incredible. And the club would have to stay open till like 4 AM. And we would literally go on stage and say, shut the fuck up. We love you, but enough. We need to go. And he'd be like, Oh, all right now. All right. And then he'd be hungry. And we'd go in the kitchen and give him all the leftover fried chicken that was in there and all the food. And it was just like, it felt like family, like a cousin or somebody that you yelling at this wildly mm-hmm. talented, but you don't care because your feet hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and he ain't got no money to tip you. No, no way. Mm-hmm. Now to see John, you know, with his 11 Grammy nominations, yes. with his album of the year. Then he's on, you know, he's was, I don't think he's doing it anymore, but was on um, Steve Colbert's late night show, like the host, uh, not the host, the musical, what is that called? The act. um, Yeah. He's like the, The he's like the leader. Yeah. Whatever. Same way the roots to do for Jimmy Fallon. Anyway, to see him, he's all like. Everybody knew that he was going to be huge in the jazz world. I don't think anybody knew that he was going to have this kind of success Mm -hmm. and fame. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think he wants it, which makes it even more beautiful. But I am obsessed with his lovely wife, Sulaika. What is her last name? Because I feel like I'm doing her. Sulaika or Sulaika? Sulaika. It's Sulaika. That's how he says it. So Sulaika, I read her book back when Jasmine's mother, Miss Pam, um, was fighting her second bout of cancer. And Sulaika is a woman who is an incredible writer. And she wrote the memoir, and I talked about this on the podcast, Between Two Kingdoms, where she talks about her first bout with leukemia. And she's one of these women that like when, when, dan- when fear or pain or hardship is upon her, she looks a dead square in the eye. Mm. She doesn't resist it. Mm. She's 10 toes down in it. Like we're here and we're battling mm-hmm. and she's in her, um, anyway, I, I'll, I could go on and on and I will once I watch the film, but this film was a documentary where it's supposed to follow John composing this symphony um, called American Symphony that he premiered at Carnegie Hall. But during the filming, 
his wife, it's his wife, not his life, like it's his life partner, but his wife, um, Sulaika learns that her cancer has come back. The same week that she learns her cancer's come back, he learns he has been nominated for 11 Grammys, oh, wow. the most out of every other duality. artist. So the duality of what they're both holding. And he he speaks so beautifully about it. He had a, a really nourishing and wonderful conversation uh, with Gail, Gail King on the, I think the Good Morning Show. And it, it's just gonna, I know it's gonna be one of these films that make you realize how, what, what is, what is important, what your priorities are, but also brings you back to creativity and the importance of being creative. She's, she's in her hospital bed while he's winning Grammys painting, painting, painting what she's feeling and, and, and a beautiful, like, I don't, she learned, she started painting with her first bout of leukemia and now she's like picked it up again, but they have, they are just, and she talks about how she, like her and John getting together in her book, which was like weird to <laughs> read, but they knew each other from band camp. It's just a, a beautiful human story hmm. that I can't wait. So it's not out yet. I'm talking about like I've seen it, but I've watched so many clips and interviews on it. And her writing, if you want to read a novel, whether you are fighting a health scare or just as a human being in this world where things can get hard, I think that this book is one of those books that helps you understand how to manage the hard and helps you feel seen. And so I highly recommend people pick up Between Two Kingdoms. It's a New York bestseller. She also um, has Life Interrupted, a column in the New York Times as well. But And also her, her newsletter is just beautiful. So... That's that. Yeah. And then another thing that I'm, I think it'll be interesting. I can't wait for you to watch this. So I went to go see a private screening of once again for the very first time. This was written, directed um, by Boaz Yakin. You might know that name. That's the person who directed, remember the, am I about to say this right? Remember the Titans. Yes. Fresh. Um, and Van Lathan executive produced it. So we got the invite. And it's so, it's a, it's a full feature film. It is something that really sat with me. I loved it. It's definitely expressionism. <laughs> so not everybody's going to get it. But the woman in the film, and I won't spoil it. If anybody who watches the film, you'll understand why I felt deeply connected to her. She's battling um, childhood sexual trauma and trying to navigate a new love with it while she is trying to also, she, I don't, at first she's not even fighting it. She's just jailed by it. She's imprisoned by her childhood bedroom. She keeps going back there. And it's one of these mm. films, that's, it's, it's so, and, the, and the, the gentleman in the film, the lead male, who's her, um, the person that she's falling in love with, um, he's also battling some of his past trauma and some things that he's done that he can't forgive himself for. And they say to each other, you know, like, 
she says, do you see me? And she, and, but then she'll also say I'm invisible. So it's like this, this tug of war inside of her of like, I want somebody to see me so deeply, but also you can't. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust that you ever will be able to mm-hmm. or that I'll let you. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at her and he's like, I want to love you, but you'll kill me. Mm-hmm. Like opening I feel that himself. I both of those very, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> duh. You don't feel right. like that? Right. <laughs> could, could, no. <laughs> but seeing a man say like, but you'll kill me in the yeah. most intimate, tender moments. Mm-hmm. We're like, what? You're safe here. But he's like, nah. Going in this deep, you'll kill me. Yeah. So it's that type of very hyper um, expression, expression like of love, of like nobody speaks like this. It's like in prose, but it's so incredibly done in my opinion. It's one of those films that like when we used to do theater or when I used to do theater, they would say when, when, when speech isn't enough, you sing. When song isn't enough, you dance. And all of that is in this movie. And so it's like the next level that you can't achieve in theater is visual effects. And these visual effects, they were so well done because they were so deeply connected to the character's subtext and what they want and what they were feeling. And it just helps deepen the message and deepen your I, I think my personal experience and connection to the characters. And, and this girl in this film, she has one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Which she is was, a big thing to say, bro. She was so alive. I, I, want, I need to reach out to her. I need to find out what her name is. I can't even remember. But she apparently, she's, she's not, she was not a known actress. She was a spoken word artist that sent in a tape. And they cast her and she, it was a honor and a privilege to watch her be alive on camera for an hour and a half or an hour. What a, what a statement that makes me want to see it. I think you might hate it. Oh, but I think you'd love, I think you'd love, I don't know. There's certain parts that you'd be like, what? But I think you would love certain parts as well. I think you would love the messaging and the imagery You'd be like, that was beautiful. That one part that was corny shit, but that was beautiful. <laughs> Don't project how you <laughs> felt about it onto me. No, I was, because I was sitting there because you were supposed to come with me. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, Shanti would be like, nigga, what? Because there's like, there's like some spoken word battles well, in it. You know, yeah, you are, I lost you right there. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, do you want to do this one? I put this on here because I know you love this song. You got a fast car. I got money ready to go. And hold in a middle. I love that <laughs> song. I, my aunt, my mother's sister, loved Tracy Chapman. And I used to be seven, six. I remember doing the classic um, dramatization of being a kid looking out the window and it was like raining. And fast oh, yeah. car. I'll never forget being on the on the turnpike. Fast car was pay, playing. It was raining. I was like, I'm feeling this shit. This where is she got a troubled life and she got to go somewhere. Get Tracy to where she need to be. Whoever this, <laughs> I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but she got feelings in her voice. Anyway, Tracy Chapman made history by having her 1988 hit Fast Car 
when Song of the Year at Wednesday, Wednesday's Country Music Awards, apparently Love it's it. been revived due to it being redone by country star Luke Combs. He released a cover of the hit single and and the kids and a and a new generation was like, hold up, this shit slaps. And I, I wanna hear him on along. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I love that song. That's my, what's the other one? Give me one reason to stay here. Yeah, that's my shit. That's my shit. Around. Around. That's my shit. That song gets me. Shout out to uh, Tracy. We love you. We love that for you. I'm really happy for her too because, you know, we know the Country Music Awards. They do not love the blacks. And apparently she's the first black woman to ever win that award. Maybe first black queer woman because Tracy big gay. That's another thing Tracy was 10 toes down in she been gay before all y'all was talking about it (laughs) yo i love you you're the only person that would say because tracy big gay and it's and it's not a diss you're really so fucking happy about it she really has she been i would be remiss if i didn't play this though from the country music awards i i'm i'm hoping that you've seen this clip but there's a I love white it. man okay yeah jelly roll shout out to jelly, jelly roll. roll and i think and this he is be a rapping message. too i think message can you put this under the under this because mm-hmm. i'm about to play a clip and i want monty to know where to put it child please work poetic about a 39 year old man winning new artist of the year i don't know where you're at in your life or what you're going through but i want to tell you to keep going baby i want to tell you success is on the other side of it. i want to tell you it's gonna be I love it. What's his name? Did the remake? What's the guy name that did that though? He put. I the, don't think he did it. He posted it, right? He no. Kevin the, on the, stage. Kevin, Kevin put the he remix. He posted on it. it. Oh. I don't think he. I don't think he did. I don't think he plays the organ. No, he just put <laughs> that on there. He, that's like a, just a common like. Oh, okay. I thought somebody church, actually did the underscoring uh, thing. Yeah, that's soundtrack. the thing. They could be saying anything at a black church. You put that fucking organ under it, you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> The but testament of music, baby. That's amazing. 39 years old, best new artist. Wait, where he at? Where is that? What? Where do you have this in the um thing for us to put it? Right here, Sheila. Look at oh, my cursor. Okay. So I just wanted to make, we don't need to talk about him because I don't know nothing about him, but I'm just saying like, I fuck with what you, I fuck with the message, Jelly, Jelly Roll. Roll you inspired like me. too. I fuck with him. <laughs> I think he raps. Listen. He's a rapper. He be, is he, that a Shanti fact or is that true? <laughs> he do. He be doing a country raps. <laughs> pull it up. He do. I think What's so. What's his country rap? I ain't going to touch the computer because y'all complain about it. You pull it up. Shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's something about your laptop. Be like, it's <laughs> be in my ear. I'm like, God Belly damn. Bro, what are you doing? Lastly, it's a lot of hot shit. I feel like there was a lot happening this week. Um, Trevor Noah has a new podcast, and I'm very excited about it. I loved Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. I love his stand-up. I think he's smart. I think he's a critical thinker. I I just am like, I think I love him. Oh. Okay? He is truly, he's somebody that I could listen to all day. Oh. And he has. Everything already. And he has a new um, podcast 
on Spotify. Okay, Spotify getting a lot of love today. Um, it it started November 9th. So it came out. His first episode is with The Rock Johnson. I might be the only person don't in America say that doesn't stupid. care about The Rock. Oh, like that. girl. Why don't I care? Girl. Why should I care about The Rock? Because he is a cultural phenomenon. You didn't did you go through your um Never. You That's didn't go why. through your, your wrestling phase? I was like, this is fake. This you is never did dumb. the suck it thing? No. I saw they did that on a bus, and I'd be like, y'all corny as it. Oh, I was into it. Me and Carlton. I was not into wrestling. I was into the, it. The, the Undertaker, all them niggas, I was into it. The last wrestler I was into was Hulk Hogan. Oh, with his gosh. Problematic ass. Well, anyway. Uh, Trevor says that um, in each episode, he will go deep with a special guest, pause, including <laughs> entertainers, sorry, <laughs> CEOs, mm. actors, athletes, and thought leaders. I love that phrase, thought leader. You ain't got no job. He'll bring <laughs> the- <laughs> like, I'm a thought leader. Nigga, what? <laughs> I said that to somebody. I was like, well, I grew up in Philly doing a lot of servant leadership. They was like, what the fuck is that? And I was they like, said, you ain't got no job. Shit. That is so like, funny. I was like, we just read a book. You ain't got no job. Read books and shit, talking shit all day. That's all I was doing. <laughs> um, he'll bring the kind of conversations that happen behind the scenes to light. Full of radical candor, authentic back and forths, and honest conversations, with Trevor bringing to bear his classic, effortlessly playful and equally probing style. Mm. I'm excited to listen to it. I started it and couldn't finish it because I had to do research for this joint. But yeah, let's check that out. Let's support Trevor because I I like Trevor. Do you like Trevor? Um, I do. <gasps> I do. I'm not 10 toes down like you. Like, I, I like him. I like him. But why are not? You like The Rock more than Trevor? <laughs> I ain't shit, though, Antoinette. <laughs> anyway, that, that does upset me. All right. Politics is usually well. All right, y'all. It's about to be one of them. We <clears throat> I saw this in the... I, I was like, I ain't even go. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> what you think when you saw this outline? I was just like... Shanti. Preparedness. No. I don't play. You ain't gonna catch me out here not having my shit together. Mm-hmm. You actually do often. Sorry. But we got a lot to talk about with politics. And this was inspired by a voicemail that we received. I'm a play set voicemail now. Ooh, voicemail on a Monday. You're welcome. Hi, uh Shanti and Internet. Uh, my name is JB and I am calling in regards to episode 304. Um, it was a brief portion of, I believe it was politics as usual, Al. Um, Antoinette, you made a comment about voting for Joe Biden in the 2024 election because kind of like a, I don't, I don't think you meant, I don't know, regardless. I just want to say that the whole idea of voting blue no matter who um, it's kind of what leads us into situations like what we're seeing today, where we have somebody who was uh, presented to us as this progressive candidate, as this person that was going to come in and undo all the wrongdoings of the predecessor. Um, and we're kind of seeing that that was the complete opposite. Um, I think we've been taught that we live in a two-party system where we only have two choices 
when in reality we have a multitude of candidates that we can choose from that may not be as uplifted because of whatever the reasons may be, but we do have these options. Um, I think it's up to us to kind of disrupt the system, even if it feels like we're kind of wasting votes on people, because I think that the point of us being able to vote is to vote for people that align with our values. And I think that majority of the voters now, especially in the last month or so, are seeing that the people that we thought aligned with us um, don't necessarily. And I think we kind of saw that before uh, the events that have been taking place overseas, we were seeing that in 2020, even though we had a um, we had a Republican in office, we still were seeing that there were some um, lawmakers that were on the progressive side that weren't really doing their due diligence to make sure that excuse me their constituents and um, just people all across the nation were you know comfortable. Um, I think it's also important to mention that there was plenty of room for Biden to codify Roe v. Wade, which fell under his administration. Um, one of his main platform points about canceling student debt kind of fell through. Um, and I also just want to make emphasis on the fact that our state and local elections are really important. I think that we put a lot of emphasis on federal elections, but we feel the ramifications of our state and local um, elections a lot more. And these are people that we can get a hold of a lot easier. Um, you know, these are the laws that kind of affect our day-to-day -day life, property insurance, um, the issues like what we see in, in southern states when it comes to gender and sexuality and things like that, education. These are all things that we feel on a state and local level. So I just think that we should put a little bit more emphasis on that. We should also understand that we don't have to know. She got cut off. And she didn't call back. Um, thank you for the call, one. Uh... Two, and I say this with all due respect, I really do. This, and I'm only speaking about how I personally feel. And Shanti, I'm gonna ask you about how how you feel after I lay out my thoughts on this. I think that the approach of voting for a third party candidate when that third party candidate has no chance of winning at a time where Trump is the opposing candidate or the other candidate in my, I'm speaking from my perspective here is checkers, not chess. I think that it's, I, I don't have space for that. I don't, I don't think that that's revolutionary. I think that that is, giving giving playing into the hands and into the strategy of a lot of the Republican party is that you guys hate Joe Biden so much you you need to vote over here with Trump which again and this is frustrating for many and for myself where you're you feel like okay it's always the better of the two Crap-ass candidates that lesser, we have, the lesser of the two evils. Now, if you are, if I am, be, if now if we want to dismantle that, the fact that we're always in a position where we have to choose between the lesser of the two evils, that's a different conversation, in my opinion. If we are literally facing the choice of lesser of two evils, where we have not dismantled this system yet, 
in my opinion, I would be a fool to pick the more evil to say this system doesn't work. You're just making life much harder for yourself, in my opinion, and making life harder for yourself in a way where it's going to be that much harder and more difficult to dismantle a system and to organize because you're going to be disenfranchised even more. So, but I do want to be clear also about some civics. Um, Biden is the Democratic president, right? We need to be clear right now, the Democrats do not control the House. When it comes to student loans, he is still fighting this battle. So June 1st, 2023, both the Senate and the House passed a bill to block Biden's student loan forgiveness program. He can't just say, we're forgiving these student loans. The president does not have that power. So both the Senate and the House blocked his student loan forgiveness program that he wanted to pass, which promised to cancel up to $20,000 of debt for millions of borrowers. The bill then goes to Biden's desk for his signature because the vetoing, basically saying, fuck you, we're not doing it. And he, he, ref, not veto, not, he refused to sign it because he said, I'm not giving up this fight. I'm vetoing this. Moderate Democrats joined the side of the Republicans in voting for the bill to block his student loan forgiveness program. The Senate, the, like, there's, what do you want him to do? He's still fighting it. He tried to fight it in the courts and just say, okay, then as the president, I'm going to say, this is what, I forget what that's called. What is that called? Why is it escaping me? Uh, Barack Obama had the most presidential. Anyway, I can't, it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't think about it. And I'll remember it when I listen back. But the Supreme Court also blocked Joe's Bi Joe Biden's attempt to just flat out say, we're forgiving these loans. It's tied up in the courts. There are checks and balances. We don't live in an oligarchy. Like that's, that's not how it works here. So a lot of people are frustrated by, by many of the promises that Joe Biden has made, but his hands are tied as he's still trying to work through some of that. Also the abortion thing, I understand that, but that's Barack Obama who, who let that fall apart. If I'm being completely honest. Barack was supposed to put that through. That was one of his pledges and he didn't do it. And he didn't do it, I think, because it, they didn't know if it was really a winning argument. They really didn't know if the rest of the country, the conservatives would turn if folks, if they, if he actually codified that, which that's on him. It's on Joe as well, but Joe is also doing work to try to make sure that women's reproductive rights are still intact. I am somebody right now who is disgusted with Joe Biden at the moment. I am disgusted with how he's ha handling uh, Palestinians. I also feel that if Trump were to be in office, Gaza would have just been blown the fuck up and the rhetoric would be even worse. And within this country, we would have even more Islamophobia. I can't imagine what Trump would be saying right now about Hamas, Palestinians, Rashida Tlaib. Like, I don't even want to imagine it. And I think that we've forgotten what we're dealing with. And I don't like Joe Biden's rhetoric on it, that he doesn't believe how many people have died. That he, again, lesser of two evils. 
I also want to go into what Joe Biden has accomplished because this is something where I feel that a lot of us are hurting when it comes to our pocketbooks. And that's what people vote considering. A lot of us do not feel the benefits of what he has passed at all. I'll be the first one to say this inflation is kicking my ass and I'm tired of it. Now, that's not to say that he hasn't gotten several massive bills through Congress, through a Congress that he doesn't even control, like his party doesn't even control one of the chambers of the Congress, which is the House. Okay, so we have the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. That was passed March 11th, 2021. This uh, contains substantial COVID relief, which protected workers' pensions, provided funding to communities and businesses devastated by COVID-19, lowered and eliminated insurance premiums for millions of lower and middle class families, provided funds for affordable housing, provided money for public safety and crime reduction, provided to support, oh, and supported small business, et cetera, et cetera, expanded food assistance programs and homes, et cetera. He also has the $1 trillion infrastructure bill. This is the first of its kind to repair our roads, waterways, bridges, railroads. And I've been seeing that around me. I don't know if y'all been seeing it, but I've been fucking seeing it. And also this is big. We don't think about this, but, and also to bring high speed internet to rural communities within this country. It also included money for public transit, airports, electric vehicles, and low admission public transportation, obviously to fight climate change and clean water. All right. Then you have the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which contains significant funds for roads and bridges. Then he signed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which provides incentives for states to pass red flag laws and expand the laws that prevent people convicted of domestic abuse from gun ownership. This was such a battle with Democrats and the Republican parties. The Republicans fought tooth and nail not to get this passed. And all this bill is saying is someone convicted of domestic abuse should not be able to own a gun so readily. They need to expand background checks on young people also, 18 to 21 who wanna buy a gun, and allocated more funds for mental health services for young people. He instituted an executive, that was the word, executive order. He tried to have the executive order for the um, for the student debt and the Supreme Court was like, nah, dog, you tripping. And the reason why you're tripping is because Congress, Congress controls funds. Presidents do not. So you cannot issue an executive order around money, okay? He signed, uh, he, he instituted an executive order raising standards for law enforcement agencies. Obviously, some people feel like, well, that's just, words, but you have to get the shit on the books, um, with particular emphasis on the use of police, use of force policies, body camera availability and recruitment and, and retention of officers. He wants the officers to be more diverse in background. He also signed the Inflation Reduction Act, making health insurance plans more affordable. I know people personally who this has impacted and helped. Lowering drug costs, preventing millions of Americans from losing their Affordable Care Act insurance because the Republicans wanted to take that away. Also big, requiring Medicare to negotiate the cost of 10 high-cost prescription drugs. Insulin, for example, now, now costs $35 with insurance. People were traveling to Canada 
to get insulin because they could not afford it here. It was cheaper to go to out of the country to get it than to get it in their own country. And insulin, most often people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds are the ones in need of said drug. Additionally, he's used his executive action to attempt to cancel student loans. We talked about that. He's pardoned thousands of convicted folks um, of marijuana possession. He needs to do more in that. And appointed a new wave of judges. Sis, you talked about the importance of local elections. Yes, wildly important. Also, as equally important is are the judges, local judges. Um, so here we have it. He is not perfect. He is not a perfect candidate. And now we're going to get into that. He is losing support from the Democratic Party and from his voters. All right. A new study polls came out and New York Times reported on it. Everybody reported on it. That Biden is being productive, but he he's he's losing support. In five of the six most battleground states one year out from the 2024 election he is trailing trump trailing him trump is leading in these fucking states okay that sounds the alarm for me i can't take another trump presidency i truly can't so voters under 30 favor Biden only by a single percentage point, which is much lower than what it was. His lead among Hispanic voters is down to single digits. His advantage in urban areas is half of Trump's edge in rural areas. Women still favor Biden, but men prefer Trump by twice as large a margin as the last election. Black voters who have always been a pillar for the Democratic Party and honestly for Biden, are now registering 22% support in these battleground states for Trump. This is a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern times. The more diverse swing states, the farther Biden is behind. He only leads in the whitest state. It's wild. Another ominous sign for Democrats is that voters across all income levels felt that Biden's policies has hurt them personally while they credited Trump's policies for helping them. This whole crediting Trump for helping people's pocketbooks, Trump's tax laws were so hurtful to middle and lower America. People are thinking that the COVID-19 stimulus packages and things were Trump. That is Congress. Congress, Trump does not, Trump did not give you money, y'all. Congress gave money. Trump might have put pressure on folks, whatever, but Trump also needed to keep the economy going. And Trump also wanted to widen the gap between the top percent earners and middle and lower income America. And I just don't understand why you vote against your interests. Right now, what Biden is trying to deal with is the aftermath of COVID-19, is the wars. All of that impacts finances. You're going to feel that from the gas prices once Russia stopped sending gas over here. It's just, it's so much more complicated than Biden isn't doing shit. You have to look at the geopolitical atmosphere 
and try to understand what a president is juggling and then understand what he's juggling within Congress and the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court that was stacked by Trump. That every other day there's another march about some ruling that this Trump appointed Supreme Court has now ruled and is, is taking away your rights. Okay, age. Age is a huge thing. And I think this is the big thing for eight, for Biden is 81. He's going to, I think he already turned 81 at this point. He's the oldest president in American history. Overwhelmingly, 71% of the people in this poll said he was too old to be an effective president. In contrast, only 19% said that Trump was too old, who was 77. There's also a temperament issue. Today, the degree in which voters are turned off by Trump's personality appears to have waned, mostly because you don't see this yeah, motherfucker no at, more. Though? He's not on Twitter. He's refusing to show up to the debates. He's going and rallying his base. He goes to where he knows that he's going to be softballed interviews where he can control the narrative. Because if he goes on that debate stage, for what? Everybody's trailing him by double digits. Why do I need to debate these people? It's the same way Beyonce's like, why do I need to talk to these? I'm good. I don't need to talk to y'all. Same way you like, sis, you over here barking at just, you, you yelling into the air. I don't need to address you. So he doesn't need to do that anymore. And we don't see his rhetoric. We're not reminded and I, and I want people to go back and fetch what, who this motherfucker is. He hasn't changed. And now he's, he's changing, trying to change his stance on abortion, which we're going to get into. But bro, he, he wins on both sides. Now he's switching and saying abortion is a losing argument. Abortion is making us lose um, elections, local elections, making us lose the, you know, we didn't, this blue wave didn't happen in the primaries that we thought was going to happen because of this abortion issue. But then he also wins with the evangelicals because he can also claim I'm the person that appointed, I appointed these Supreme Court justices that got rid of abortion. It's just like his strategy is fucking brilliant. I need to stop talking for a second because this is, nobody wants to hear this like this. But I will get in. I do want us to talk about the election night results. And, and I could summarize this. We don't have to go all into that. Basically, the election night results, we just had a election day in, in many states. And what we saw overarching was that abortion saved the Democrats. That's a winning issue. Candidates, Republican candidates that were anti-abortion, that were running on three-week bans, six-week bans, et cetera, et cetera, no, no abortion, they lost. In Ohio, they voted to, they want abortion to be codified in their state. Um, what is it called? Oh, Lord. That's why I'll be going off script. In their state um, constitution. So we had major wins as a result of abortion, but, and also the attacks on transgender rights didn't work. So first Republicans attack, they use guns to scare people and say, they're trying to take your guns. Now people are fed up with the gun violence. So that's not going to work. So then they go over to abortion and like, well, they're trying to kill your babies. Now people are hip to that and that's not working. So now it's, they're, they're trying to, brainwash your babies and make them trans. And what we saw was that that didn't work. They spent 
$5 million in television ads. This is in Kentucky, attacking LGBTQ rights. And uh, the Democrat that actually won, they spent $1.2 million in LGBTQIA attack ads in Mississippi. Now, the Republican won there, but it was by a much slimmer margin than normal. And Mississippi is so deeply red that it's going to be hard to ever win that. But with all this said, when people were polled, they said they, they don't feel comfortable with Joseph, with Joseph Robinette Biden as the nominee. These are Democrats. But when they were asked, if we insert another Democrat here, would you vote Democratic? Yes. They say yes. They said they'd even vote for Kamala, which really shocked me. So all that to say, what should Joe do? Should he step aside? Who's responsible for the average voter not being informed on his victories, on his wins, on the Democratic agenda and their accomplishments? Is it the Democrats because their messaging is and has always been trash? Or is it us, the citizens, the voters who need to have more of a basic understanding of civics? Do we have time to do that since we're caught up in the rat race? I don't know. And... The next question for you that I'll answer as well. well these are when all it questions comes... you directed to me? Oh, to, yeah, and to the people listening. These are things to think about. When it comes to Trump and Biden, because that's what it's that's what it's gonna be, y'all. Trump or a or a Democratic Party, but Democratic candidate. Trump has these four cases against him, but he is right now the the Republican nominee. He's ahead by a landmark. Nikki Haley is climbing, but she's not there. Where's the other Democratic are you... nominee? There is none. Why? They're not. So that's so that's the thing Why? within party. I'm gonna tell you within parties. Right. An incumbent president. So incumbent for everybody listening means you you are already the president and you're running again. I know you know that. I just want to make sure that listeners know that for an incumbent president, people are not going to run against them in their own party. You wait your turn so that you can then be so that you can then be. Um, endorsed by said president and by the people within his cabinet, et cetera, et cetera. You just, you just don't do that. No, nobody really does that. And I think that is a problem. I think Gavin Newsom, who is positioned very well to be a wonderful nominee, I think he could really win. I think they, they, they're just, I don't know. They're towing that line. And what's very interesting, and I'll say David Axelrod, who was President Obama's senior advisor, he's always he's always a, a pundit on these shows now. He said Trump is dangerous. Un Trump is a dangerous, unhinged demagogue whose brazen disdain for the rules and the norms, the laws and institutions, or democracy should be disqualifying. But the stakes of miscalculation here are too dramatic to ignore. Only Joe Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. What he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it's in his best interest or the country's. And that's it right there to me. And I thought that's a big deal for David Axelrod to say that. It's a big deal and that's it, Joe. You might lose to this motherfucker. And if it's really about country, you need to step aside. 
I think he should. But but first, before we get there. Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. You think he should start there. I think he should. I think that he. Um, I think with the lack of messaging, I feel like the Democratic Party um, has not figured out how to. It toes this line of being progressive and being about people and also following political protocol and just to what to your point um having this geopolitical strategy they do a terrible terrible job at this and i feel like for all the people that that are progressive democrats who believed in biden who voted for him on the stretch of lesser of two evils, but he already wasn't voted like, yo, this is the good. Nobody had hope in Joe the way that they had hope in Obama. Yeah, I don't think anybody so, thought Biden was going to come in and right the wrongs of the country. But to have him now, for me personally, you named all of these things that he did. Wonderful. Great. But they don't in any way neutralize or comparable to the way that he is handling this conflict, this this Agreed. genocide of people. It's not, Agreed. it is in no way does anything to sway me at all. Mm-hmm. At the very least, right? At the very least, you'd be like, oh, this nigga is not really 10 toes down. He's not really about it. But he's, his language and his energy terrible is not even trying to hide who he is and what he believes in and what he stands for. And the Democratic Party is revealing itself in a lot of ways as as we are seeing the handling of real progressive voices, people that really want to see a change in America's values, that really want to see um, these ideals that we gaslight our citizens with of equality of you know um creating some kind of economic change in our city of 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 managing and showing up in the world differently less as this bully or less as this hypocritical um uh what's the word uh condescending you know, we're the best in the world. There's Super folks that are in the Democratic Party that have been voted in that really believe that. And we're seeing how they are being silenced by the Democratic Party. So the Democratic Party is revealing itself in a way that's making people realize like, oh, this shit, There, there's no real difference here. There's no difference. Like, my back is against the wall in a way my back is against the wall what do you guys really represent it feels like there is when i I feel like the the democratic party with george floyd with all of these new um ideas around capitalism imperialism racism patriarchy it feels like these are some roots that we have collectively uncovered and like, yes, we're being gaslit. Yes, we're being dismissed. But the language 
and the articulation of, of the frustration that so many people, especially the marginalized people of America, the people that have been at the, have, have been on the receiving end of these um, systems, there, there's language to them. And there's like this, like, oh shit, like you guys see us, you hear us. And to see that kind of play out in the political field gave a lot of people a lot of hope and a lot of mm -hmm. like um, ignited a lot of their political activism in a way. Like, all right, we are stepping up. We are, we're seeing mm -hmm. these folks in, in, in Congress or in the Senate that like, oh, she really represents us. Right. And it's not, it's, not I, it's disappointing. People are just <laughs> yeah. like, yo, this shit ain't real. This shit can't be real. Like what, you don't represent me. What, who do you represent then? What, what is actually happening? Can you clarify that when you say that this isn't real? Because I, I think I'm following you and I don't disagree. But for the listeners, when I, you I, say. Yes, I'm speaking from my own um, Shanti facts, right? No, no, no. <laughs> my, in my I'm not coming mind, for you. I'm not, I know. I'm, I'm, Let me, can I'm, I ask you a question though so that I, I can get some clarity yeah. for myself too? Mm -hmm. When you say that this isn't real, um, like when you talking about George Floyd, you're saying that you can't be 10 toes down. Like even if you give us body cameras, even if you are diversifying the police force or attempting to, even if you're investing in training for them and, and, um, whatever. And, and, and even if you're appointing judges here that are more progressive, you can't do that here and then go over to Israel and f and fund their genocide. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like it's just it's okay. just a facade because you're mm -hmm. ra being radical is picking something up from the root. What did Angela uh, Davis say? Radicalism is like pulling that shit up from the root. Uprooting and this, it. these these conversations about imperialism, these conversations about the ways in which we say, yeah, we're gonna, we want these countries to be democratic. We want to free their women, or we want to, you know, go into right. Afghanistan and give them a democratic party and free them up. No, you're, you're doing a geopolitical strategy to destabilize a country to, for, for your benefit, which is always connected to resources and money, power, and influence, like always. It's not this, and it's not this social humanitarian progressive concern. And the fact that the Dem Democratic Party, the, the Republicans are 10 toes down, like we don't give a fuck. Like we, we, we don't really give a fuck. We're not, we're not doing this bleeding heart um, rhetoric. I don't think that's true. I don't they think, are doing that. I, I think they, that they, they, they do. I, I promise you I they do. I think they are for their people. And they're like, if you ride with us, you ride with us. These are our morals. These are our Christian grounded morals, which are in, the, in our interpretation of them are exclusive. Some people do not fit in them. If you're practicing, if you live your life a certain way, if you do not work hard and pull yourself up from the bootstrap and, you know, really take advantage of this equal American society that's your fault you're somehow fucked up if you're not Christian, yeah but on a geopolitical letter le level rather they the 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 
Oh, they keep yeah. The, the same rhetoric, rhetoric is the same. It was okay, the same. Was Make like, America yeah. great. Okay, you know, yeah. uh, they, it's the same thing. It's let's it's, save keep these America poor, safe, savage souls. Save yeah, these yeah. savages, mm-hmm. but you know, you as a person are deemed. We as a clan are more powerful, and I see you often in this Christian um, clan that like this. Christianity mm-hmm. is often what the what the Republicans the use to galvanize. Mm-hmm. Keep America great, white, Christian, man and woman, white picket fence. We're doing it. It can happen. Let's build up America again. And With the Democrats, you know, are trying to trying to piggy not piggyback, but trying to put on this mask of of they care about people, they care about humanity, but their intentions and their um, practices are still very much the same. So I, I, and I think people are realizing that or seeing that, and it's scary to a lot of people. And a lot of people, you know, are like, "Wow, this doesn't. You're not saying you're not who you thought I was. There is no hope." But I'm gonna keep up with this same process of voting you in because this other person is 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 going to carry this out um in a far more uh obvious and disdainful way and in a way that's going to make me you know feel uncomfortable and then it's going to um you know bristle my hairs I, I need somebody that can do is going to do the same thing which is continuing and perpetuating fucking up this planet by their imperialistic practices and you know keeping groups of people disempowered with their patriarchy and with their racist systems but i just need it to be done in a way that feels progressive to well, me I, and I, I i i'll say you're gonna say well, what's the alternative no, i i don't know uh, let me finish all i'm saying is to me and there's this an amazing interview with nam chomsky um that i'll put in here it's an it's amazing the way he breaks it down is amazing but he he basically says that the political foundation or the political motives incentives and operations of the u.s empire is around power money and control and that's the car that you're in that's the model. That's the direction. Who's driving it? The color of it does not matter, but that's, that's what it is. And so whether it's the Democrat driver or the Republican driver and their differences in the ways that this money, power, and influence and the control of resources are, they may differ. And one may be a little bit more, you know, tasteful than the other. But it's the same thing. And you're, you, our, whether we are active in it as um, knowledgeable voting citizens or not, like it's still, still the same thing. It's still the same thing. And I don't know how to, I don't know if I knew every single part of politics and this, that, and the third that I wouldn't feel a, a sinking feeling of like 
yeah, this, but this still doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't, something is not right. And I voted on the seventh for, you know, in Pennsylvania, and I voted for the first black uh, female mayor. And I did not the feel good about it. The first female mayor, too. I didn't feel good about it. Interesting. I was not excited about it. I, d- I left there feeling, feeling complicit in something. Mm. It did not make me feel empowered. It made me feel like I actually don't really have many choices, and I don't mm. know what to do to change this. Right. I think I think everything that you said is valid. Absolutely. I think um, and I, I don't want to fight you on it. Um, I do think there are some Democrats, especially House Democrats, that are speaking out about what's happening, about the genocide in Gaza. I'm going to use use the language, the words that it that are required there, the genocide in Gaza. Um that we are funding and we are... Um, and there's many Democrats speaking out against it, demanding a ceasefire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so and how are they being treated? Uh, we're going to get into it. Terribly. Um, you know, Maxine Waters is among yes. some of them. Yes, Maxine. She just, had a, she just had a full on speech, baby, where she gave it to them and saying the same thing that you were saying. This is the type of thing that, while it's frustrating for us, right, and we feel like nothing's changing. This is the type of thing that when you voting for this mayor that you don't feel good about, she needs to know that you want what you want Word. for your community. Mm-hmm. City council members, we know a city council member personally. Mm-hmm. They need to know what you want for your community. Mm-hmm. And when I say, when I ask the question rather, because I'm asking the question, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Is it our responsibility to understand the civics more that we weren't taught (laughs) or is it the Democrats responsibility and the Republicans responsibility to be more clear with their messaging? I think Republicans are very clear about their messaging. I would say it's a, it's both of us. We need to understand who to talk to. When I say that, I mean, it's important for us to not be just frustrated by what's going on in the world and go to Joe Biden and just immediately say it's Biden's fault. Yeah. If we don't understand how the system actually works, mm-hmm. because then you're not you're not informed and you're not making decisions based off of sound information. I think it's important to understand like who the the I mean, as of and I can't find a comprehensive list and I was looking for that, but as of October sixteenth, which was like a little bit over a week from when this war broke out, thirteen Democratic representatives spoke out and and walked out and said, we demand a ceasefire. Of course, AOC's in there, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, um, Nadia Valesquez, Summer Lee, Jamal Bo- Bowman, mm-hmm. you know, Rashida Tlaib, who mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. You know, these people are, are doing that work. Mm-hmm. They are doing that work. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that we, like the sis said, vote those people in locally, the more chance we have of actually realizing what the rhetoric is within the Democratic Party, actually putting that into practice and not just being about it. Joe Biden, there's video of him long ago saying Israel was the best, the absolute best um, investment we could make in the Middle Mm -hmm. East. I'm a Zionist is what he said. I'm a proud Zionist. 
um um this should this could be its own we should actually have a deeper conversation about this but it's curious to me i don't i don't know how convinced i am that you should not vote with you should always vote strategy or always vote chess because i, I don't feel always like there vote was, strategy i feel like there was such a missed opportunity with bernie sanders against hillary where that could have been a game changer, but a lot of people were like, "Oh, we gotta vote Hillary no. because she's the one that could she's the one that could actually win." Uh, here's the thing: this is something my mother said to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, "In the primary, and for everybody listening, the primary is because <laughs> I realized this shit is confusing. In the primary election, that's where you're figuring out who your your primary Democratic election, excuse me, primary presidential." Uh, election, right? That's where you have a whole bunch of presidential candidates in one party. And that year we had Bernie Sanders, we had Elizabeth Warren, we had Pete Buttigieg, we had Biden, we had whoever the fuck else, mm -hmm. right? That's where you choose between all these leaders to say, you are going to be the person that's going to go up against mm -hmm. whoever the Republicans mm -hmm. choose. My mom always says, in the primary, I vote my heart. In the presidential, I vote my head. And that really sat with me. And I did not vote for Hillary at all. I didn't vote for Bernie either. I voted for Elizabeth Warren. Hmm. And I was heartbroken. When she didn't, I love her. But I think that that is really important. And you're right. It's a, it's a longer conversation. There's also conversation around how people trade votes, which is very interesting. Um, Van was talking about that more where... It's strategic where you 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 partner with someone who's I don't know how it works I don't understand it but it made sense in the moment and I'm I'm gonna mess it up but basically he's in California he's like well my fucking vote here like we know who's gonna be elected here this is a fucking wildly blue state and then you know you got Mississippi or somewhere where you like well that's a red fucking state maybe I should try to. So they like switch votes. I don't. I don't get it. Oh, I don't even know what's legal. So maybe I can just shut the fuck up. But there, there, are, there's a lot. Even then, I think it's strategy. But yeah, like I think that. Um, I think it's very interesting right now that the Democratic agenda, and this is this is where I'm like, Joe, please step aside. This is how I feel because the Democratic agenda is winning, and I think earlier I said we didn't see the blue wave. I meant the red wave that we were gonna see. In the, that we were supposed to see in the primary elections with the House and the Senate. The Democratic agenda is winning, right? What you is are the agenda. I don't get it. What is it? Well, the progressives, the progressive stance on climate change, not geopolitical. I'm only talking about the uh, we're here in America. Climate change, yeah. healthcare, veterans getting what they need, da, 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 um, student loan debt relief reproductive rights for women, LGBTQIA rights, trans rights, all of those things, that agenda for the majority of Americas, they fuck with it. They don't fuck with you, bro. And if that's the case, if we're, if Good we're doing morning. well, then, and, and that agenda is something that people are latching onto, then please position a candidate <laughs> that can actually beat Donald Trump.
that has some life that, and shakti and some riz to that, them. and that's the if other thing lie, so much it of it so much of it now at this point and i and i'm not trying to be ageist my God, the man can hardly speak sometimes. No, he is a he is not trustworthy. He cannot stand well, I, sometimes, Antoinette. Well, I don't know if he. I don't. I wouldn't use the word trustworthy. I, I he's not trustworthy with Pal. I I'm saying me. Nah. When it comes to Palestine and the wars and geopolitically, I don't. I don't have a whole lot of nothing for that man. If I'm being completely honest, nothing. How does that not seep into what your I'm saying trust is his- I. Uh, in terms of trustworthy, I'm talking about um, his ability to still get stuff done. I understand that he's still effective. He's still being an effective president, whether we like what the fuck he's doing or not. People are saying he can't do his job. And I'm like, oh, no, he's doing his job. He getting shit done. We don't like it, but he's getting it done. So here we are and and I, and you know what i'm going to ask you when it comes down to it if he does not drop out of the race and we are faced you can't with ask this, people who they're gonna vote for can you no i'm not gonna ask you oh i apologize go ahead <laughs> when he's dropped out of the race or when he's in the race right he hasn't dropped out and it's trump and biden and you, people don't have to answer this you don't have to answer it but it's something we have to ask ourselves what do you do then? Is it your heart? Is it, I, I'm not going to vote at all? Is it, I'm going to go and vote and feel disempowered, but I'm going to be fucking energized so that I don't have to feel like this anymore. These motherfuckers are going to hear from me and say, you not getting my vote next time, or I'm going to make sure I put people, position people so that in a couple of years, a better candidate is there. Bernie Sanders wouldn't even be an option if slowly but surely he wasn't positioned by the people. Where's Bernie at? He's Maine. Uh, Maine No, but somewhere over there. New Hampshire, maybe not Maine. He's definitely not Maine. He's not. Who's Maine? That might be Elizabeth Warren. I don't know. But if he wouldn't be in that position, if locally the people didn't position him, that's what I'm saying. It's a slow burn. I'm so uh, anyway, if this is a longer conversation. I'm so angry at the representatives of Pennsylvania. I'm so angry mm. at Fetterman and how he's really hand- yes, the way he's handling. I don't. I haven't been following Palestine Fetterman. and the. This is genocide we're talking about. Like that's he, the thing that's Fetterman? making my yes. He's ten Fetterman's- toes down is for Israel. Absolutely. He. You write wow. a letter to your Congress members, your Senate. He gave a whole response talking about you know. The rhetoric of Israel being able to do that makes me um, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around your excuse of genocide. I don't understand it. Mm. It makes me angry and it makes me mistrust you, period. Absolutely. And I oh, don't know. I don't know. What, it's genocide, it. bro. These babies and women. It's not like. And men. I don't understand babies because and, women. It's, and men. Because it's just are it's being children. Killed. It's legacy. It's possibility. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. punitive. It's evil. And, and, and I'm all, like, oh, well, I guess I just, what? No, that makes me that, mad. That is the fucking conundrum. And that, that 
That is the absurdity. No, when you like, talk about the absurdity, I've never felt it more, Shanti. I'm right in the same boat with you. I'm in the same fucking like, boat oh, with this you. Shit, this shit doesn't make any sense. And it's not supposed to. Because they're... Anyway, I, okay. I, I, I have nothing, nothing more to say. I, I'm going to send you this interview as well. And I'd love for Please. you to, to listen to it. But um, We're an hour and 30 minutes in. So it looks like next week is going to be pop culture from this episode. But this was important. And I think that um, we have to have these conversations. I would be remiss if, one, we, I, we didn't say that these motherfuckers agreed to a four-day pause. This terminology of a pause... Versus a fucking ceasefire is even more infuriating to me. Um, but four days, they just agreed to that, I believe, last night. So by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be ending. Um, I don't know what the fuck that does. Four days to hopefully get some aid in that's just been sitting in Egypt. Um, whatever. Would be remiss if we did not mention that the only Palestinian American in Congress... <laughs> Rashida Tlaib has been censured. That's what she's like I'm talking about. That's you the slap shit on your that wrist. I'm just like <laughs> censured. And here's the worst part. Here's now a lot. A lot of Democrats came to her aid. I will say the Republicans censured her. The Republicans run by the House, but 22 Democrats crossed party lines and and agreed that she should be censured. So Representative Rich McCormick, Republican of Georgia, argued that a statement made by Ms. Tlaib after Hamas's attack on Israel, calling for the end of the quote, the apartheid, the apartheid system that creates the suffocating, dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance, defended terrorism. I'm gonna read what she said again. She called for the end of the apartheid system that creates the suffering, dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance. That they felt like she was saying, this is why you have Hamas and they're justified. That's not what she said. It's also cited that Ms. Tlaib's embrace of the phrase from the river to the sea, a pro-Palestinian rallying cry that, may, that many regard as a calling for the eradication of Israel has been deemed anti-Semitic by the Anti-Defamation League. The resolution called the phrase a genocidal can you believe that a genocidal call to violence to destroy the state of Israel and its people to replace it with a Palestinian state extending from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea? Now, listen, this is a phrase that Mark Lamont Hill got axed from CNN for saying he went to the United Nations. He had a speech and he ended his speech with from the river to the sea. Palestinians will be free. OK. I listen, people think that a lot of people, people that I really respect to um, believe that this is a, a hate, a form of hate speech. When I hear this and I don't, again, maybe there's history tied to this. And, and I'm sure when Hamas uses it because Hamas does believe that Israel should be wiped out, they mean it, Right. When I hear from the river to the sea, they mean the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestinians will be free. I hear if I were to say within America, all black people need to be free and have equal rights. That does not mean I want to eradicate all white people, 
all Asian Americans, all Native Americans. It just means all the motherfuckers from here to here, y'all need to get free. And y'all need to be freed up. You need to enjoy your life. There needs to be equity. Resources need to be shared. And you need to be valuable and validated in the same way that everybody else is. That's what I hear. Many Palestinians that I see using the phrase, that's what they say they it's mean. It's a prayer. That's it. it's, a, it's, a, it's a mantra. It's a, it's a prayer at this point for people. It's to what live keeps peacefully them amongst it's each what other. It energizes them. It's like it's, it it is double speak what they're doing. That's what I'm saying. Like it's an energetic. They're fucking people's heads up. They're scrambling and making you doubt yourself, making you feel shame, making you feel confused, making you question yourself. It is it is psychological warfare on top of it. Right. It is the worst this- kind of abuse. It's it's wild to me. It's yeah. wild and, to and me. I think it's it's even more insulting and dangerous that they use the word genocidal to reprimand her speech. She responded, and I want to make sure that I say this, in a video where she posted accusing President Biden of supporting genocide in Gaza, saying that the phrase is an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence not death, destruction, or hate. She clarified, and they still decided to make an example out of her. This brings me to the growing division in the Democratic Party. This made me very happy um, to see, did I put it on here? Oh my God, I didn't. That, that Congress, congressional staffers walked out of work. Did you see this? Mm-mm. They walked out, congressional staffers. Hold on, let me pull it up. Anyway, they walked out of work and they held a vigil demanding for a ceasefire. These are all the staffers that work within Congress, mostly on the Democratic side because Republican staffers weren't doing this shit. But they walked out and stopped working for their Democratic leaders. And many Democrats who, um, Democratic representatives within Congress, some of them walked out with them in support of the walkout to demand for a ceasefire. So there is movement happening and some some reporters were reporting that some congress folks are worried that if they do walk out they will not they will not they will not get their agenda done for their constituents back at home so they encouraged their staffers to do it and told them if you walk out you still represent me and I can't do it but you guys please do it like we need you to do it it's very interesting shit that's going on and and it's very interesting how folks feel this this war and genocide of Gaza and the Palestinian people like you said is is uprooting something and sh- and showing us very clearly how constricted we really are and how disempowered a lot of our leaders are within Congress, because at the end of the day, you cannot be viewed an anti-Semite. You cannot. At the end of the day, (laughs) money over bitches. At the end of the day, stick to the script. Yeah, all this other stuff is good, but like, power. Israel's very powerful, very pivotal 
place in the Middle East. And Pivotal. geopolitically, it if Israel were not to exist, it would be a different, it would be different, It'd be a different playing field. But and anyway, I, and I, I want to make it clear here on this podcast that neither one of us are saying that Israel shouldn't exist. There, there is a way, at least I don't think so. There is a way for there to be peaceful coexistence. Israel has not demonstrated that they are open to that and neither has Hamas. Now the people, Israeli people, Palestinian people have, I, they, they have said that, I, but this is like, I don't get it. I, I don't do know. not spiritually, politically, ethically, morally support the ways in which Israel was founded. Same. Period. Same. That's it. It's there now, right? It's there now. But the way that that start, started and the way it continues is unsustainable. In the same way it, the United States on a, is a slow burn of unsustainability. What are we going to do? That's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. I don't support how this, this country was founded. I'm here. I didn't do it. Right? Me and you didn't do it. So it's like, I can't, the Israeli people are looking for a solution of like, oh, I didn't do this shit. Many of them. But Palestinian people the same way. But even the ways in which the, the U.S. has been founded in the way that it dismisses and will not look itself in the mirror. it The U.S. all needs to take a major fucking psychedelic trip. We need to do ayahuasca. To really see ourselves and be like, oh, shit. But it's... We ain't shit. Renee, this is, te- this is awful. Anyway, I'm upset and sad now. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Y'all, so upset. I'm sorry. Well, you had a lot of jokey, jokey episodes. I did, but now Shanti's sad. The clown is sad. That it no. just makes me so... Uh, it really pulls clown. me. It makes me tearful. It pulls me to the void. It really does. Like, this shit can't be real. No, let it energize you. Let it activate no, you. This, Your voice is more necessary than ever, this Shanti. Is nonsense. This no, this it's not. human existence is. I, it makes me want to go to Steve Michael Singer. Like it makes no me want to go to the Himalayas and be a monk and get the fuck Shanti. out of samsara because this is terrible. There's it can't no be nonsense. A writing this human existence on this material plane. If there's no, I just, if you, if you really believe that, then what the fuck is your life going to be? I don't think that the, um, I don't think my hope is in outside of myself. Like I got to get my shit right. Again, we talked about it for what parts of Israel live in me. What, Mm -hmm. I won't say Israel. I apologize. What parts of tremendous fear it's not oppression if you go to the very very root of what's driving this is so much fear uncontrolled gaping hungry fear that is driving this do you do you think that there are some people who are just evil no i think you are so scared i think you are so terrified insecure I agree. And I think that is fear made manifest. The way they're acting is fear made fan. We're seeing like, oh, shit. And what parts of me do I have that? 
even in this whole thing with this person, you can see how fear yep. does this. And also the stories that we, the stories that we make up, like I feel like fear, anger, um, entitlement are like the baseline, are the hands. And then these stories that we make up is the puppet. But it's never about how the puppet looks. It's always fear and anger. And it makes me less attached to my own narratives around, I did this, I didn't do this. I ain't, you know, my ego-driven trips around the narrative. Because it's all, we're all just making, believing stories that have holes in them that are so nuanced and so, we're so we we are victim and the villain at the same time, all of us, that it's not even about the story. It's like, oh shit, how scared or angry or entitled or like what harm am I responsible for is like what I have to meditate on. But in terms of that, I I just don't know how I don't understand. There's so many problems in this world. Girl. And we didn't even talk about Sudan. We didn't even talk about the Congo. We haven't we even talk- gotten there. We yet. haven't even talked about. And I feel and I feel guilty about that. We have to talk about it. I I I Girl, I know. I didn't know. We have to do a whole other research to figure out how the fuck shit of the West to the to the fucking global south. It's so much. And I've already started that, but it's just so much. It's, it's so like, much. All I could do is worry about my fucked up internal world. No, that can't be. I gotta get my soul right. (laughs) Gotta get the demons out my life. (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, welcome to another episode of Around the Way Curls. That was a great way to end it. How how do you internalize this fear? Right now, you know, being informed is one thing, but being informed and not and not being reflective ain't shit. Thank y'all. Good luck. All right. All right, and all the later. episodes. That's it. All right. Good luck. Around the way, girls, listeners. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> all right. I'll holler at you. Bye. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good. <laughs>